0: I actually just want to say um, it's really incredible that we have a church where Kyle and Anna can go and minister somewhere else and everything's okay, like the church isn't going to burn down, right, and and I'm, I am I think they would want to say thank you for letting them go, and uh, also I want to say thank you to them because it's an opportunity that I get to speak in and get to share God's word. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to. Um, I I teach the kids every week, and I enjoy that tremendously, but this is a special opportunity. Um, So we are actually going through a series um, that is The Church Is. So we're we're teaching about the church, and um, the one I'm doing today is The Church is Unified. And when I was asked to do this, I was kind of nervous about it. Um, Is this really a good topic for me to talk about. Um, and, and some people, you might understand why, but I really wrestled all week long. It wasn't 1030 last night. I had to rewrite the entire thing because there was just too much of me in it and not enough of, uh, of just what God wants to say. And I don't want to get it blurred. I want to get what God has to say and kind of get my personal feelings out. and And I say that to say this, pastors struggle and they doubt and they're not sure. And they read the Bible, and they're not always sure, just like you, have doubts and struggles. And if you don't think we do, we do. So let me just let me just tell you, I'm the same as you. And so I want to preach what God wants to say, but that doesn't mean I'm still trying to keep up with this. I'm trying to – I could just sit down and let somebody else preach everything I'm going to preach, and it would be just as good. Because I'm trying to stick to what God's saying and not just my own opinions and, and the things that – I'm struggling with right now, and that's why it took so long to write this. But here's the question I have for you. What is the church supposed to look like? If you've been going through this series, you kind of see we're talking about what the church is. Who should be here? And uh, what do you have to believe to be in the church, right, or be a part of the church? These are kind of questions that we have about the church. And I want to read one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have two favorites, but this is one of my favorites and as I'm getting older, I'm struggling to be a favorite a little bit more than I did when I first got saved. But I want to read it to you, and I want to set the scene. It's in John 17, so if you brought a Bible, you can open up your Bibles. I think it's going to be up on the screen, too, to follow along. But I want to set the scene first. This is, this is Jesus talking here, and he's not just talking, he's praying. And there's one place where Jesus is about to die on the cross. He is about to be murdered um, for what he believes in what he's going to die. And on his way to his death, he takes time to pray for himself. He takes time to pray for his disciples. And then he prays for anybody who would believe because of the disciples that he shared this with. And first of all, I think it's profound that he prays for himself and he does it out loud. And I think like he wasn't trying to do the hypocrite thing, obviously, because Jesus is perfect. He was just trying to tell the disciples, hey, I want you to know what's going on in my head. Because they weren't even sure if he was going to, they didn't even know if he was going to die. Like, they, they still didn't understand those things. But he wanted to share, and so they wrote it down later on. Because they're like, oh, I remember, Jesus prayed for himself, and then he prayed for us, and then he prayed for the believers. And this is why it's special to me. This verse, if you believe in the message of the Bible, if you've sat in this chair and you believe in the message of the Bible, Jesus is praying for you personally. It's the only place where we see Jesus specifically praying for us personally. And so it always was something that I wanted to be like, what? You know, that's, that's important to me. And so I'm going to read it, and this is what Jesus says. He says, I do not pray only for them. Now, remember, he was just praying for the disciples. So I don't only pray for the disciples. I pray also for everyone who will believe in me because of their message. That's the Bible. That's the Bible, the New Testament Bible. That's you if you believe in that message about Jesus dying on a cross for your sins. Father, I pray they will be one just as you are in me and I am in you. I want them to also be in us. Then the world will believe that you have sent me. And so he, we're talking about unity today. That's what we're talking about. And Jesus is basically saying, people will believe in me if there's unity in the church. That's what he's saying. He's saying, people won't believe in me if there's not unity in the church. I want you to take that. That's a very serious thing for Jesus to say. Okay, and then he goes on to say, um, I have given them the glory you gave me. I did this so they would be one, just as we are one. Now, he's praying to the Father, Father God, Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit is in his ministry. So he's praying to the Father, which is weird, right? I know it doesn't make complete sense because it's the Trinity. It's, a myster- it's mysterious. I will be in them just as you are in me, okay? I will be in them just as you are in me. He's saying, I'm going to be in the followers that are going to believe. I'm going to be in them the way that you're in me. That's some serious oneness, that's some serious unity that Jesus is asking for us as the church. This is so that they may be brought together perfectly as one. Then the world will know that you sent me. It will also show the world that you have loved those you gave me. I, didn't, I don't want to shy away from that. He, he loves us. We're not serving a God that's just, he loves us. That you have loved those you gave me just as you have loved me. He loves us the way that God loves his own son. So, people will believe in Jesus based on unity. This is a big deal. This is a big thing. This is not something that you get to just go, eh, yeah, whatever. You don't have to be unified, right? It doesn't matter if the church is in unity. It's a big deal. And Jesus goes to a a pretty interesting place here. and, And here's the question I have. Is it actually possible to have that kind of unity in a church? And And I've been in church a long time, and I struggle. Now, I I struggle that that's actually a possibility. I've been in church for uh, over a decade, and I will tell you, there are a lot of different denominations, you know, that do not agree on a lot of different things. And even in the church, when you're in a church, just a personal church, I've seen a lot of disunity. I've seen unity. I've seen places where people are doing what God says too. but I've seen a lot of disunity. And I wonder if it's possible... It's a possibility. I, I just want to put this possibility out there. Maybe there are empty chairs because of disunity in the church. Maybe America's not having a lot of people because we have disunity in our church. It's possible. I mean, some be like, no, that's not true. But Jesus is saying if there's unity, people will believe. And if there's not, people won't. There's a reality there. Um, the question I have is why would Jesus pray for this if it wasn't possible? Like in my mind, it's impossible. Okay. In my mind, it's impossible. Maybe to you, it's not. You don't have to think the same way I do, but I've struggled to believe that it's really possible to have the kind of unity he's praying for. So why would Jesus say that? And I think it's because there's another place where Jesus says, uh, be perfect. Therefore, as your father is perfect. Are you perfect? No, I'm not. I'm not perfect. You spend a week with me. You'd be like, yeah, you're not perfect. (laughs) But Jesus says to be perfect, and the idea is we are to strive for perfection. You're not going to hit it. You're not going to make it. That's why Jesus died on a cross, right? Because you're not perfect. He had to be. He was the substitution for your sin. But, but, Jesus is saying you can still strive for perfection. You can still strive to do the right thing regularly every day. You can strive for unity in the church, even if it doesn't look like it's going to be there all the time perfectly, So there's this strive. Jesus doesn't shy away from telling you what he wants, perfection. But because he died, we can strive, we can struggle for those things. I think that's why. And there's two types of unity I want to talk about this morning. And that's uh, unified in our theology and unified in how we do church. Those are the two that I want to talk about um, this morning. And Theology is, is simply the study of the nature of God and religious belief. So it's like the doctrine of the church. It's what you believe about God. What do you believe the Bible says about God? And, and here's what I want to say. There is one truth. There is only one way that God thinks. Uh, some people are like, maybe God, uh, maybe God isn't, doesn't have one truth, right? You, you, you have God up there and he's kind of like, eh, I don't really... He doesn't really care. He understands that we're human. We can, we can make mistakes in how we translate things. That's kind of the agnostic, um, the view of, uh, of God, that we just can't understand God. And I don't know, I don't obviously believe that, but I'm saying that the idea of this, excuse me, just a second, I'm losing my notes here. <laughs> Let me go back. Some people say you can't really understand God, and, and that's kind of agnostic when somebody says they're agnostic. Others would say there are multiple ways to God. Um, in other words, it's kind of like a mountain, right? You, there, you, God's up here, and it doesn't really matter what you believe, what religion you choose. You could be whatever, but eventually when we, get, when we die, God's going to figure it out, and everything's going to be good, and it's not going to matter what you believe. And uh, I just want to say this. Jesus doesn't give off that idea. Um, in the Bible, he literally says, in John 14, 6, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, if you're thinking about him as a mountain, except through me. There's only one pass up the mountain. In fact, I've been watching some movies lately about I will survive, or I survived this, and there were people that go up the mountain, and they have to go a certain way. They can't just go, like, all these different ways. There's, like, a certain way to get up the mountain, and even that is can be treacherous. <laughs> But there's only one way. The Bible says there's only one way to God. It's through Jesus. That's it. And 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 hopefully later on, you'll, you'll start to see why that is when I share what the gospel is. But I don't think you could convince me anyway, even if I didn't believe in Jesus, that there isn't an absolute truth. That there isn't something up there that's like, this is the truth. This is what God is. Like as if he's up there going, well, I've got all these different ideas and I just want to confuse everybody. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and as Christians, we believe, I don't have a, I didn't bring a Bible up here, all the Bible verses are in my in my notes, but we believe that the Bible is God's absolute truth, that that's what it has in there. It shows the God in, in, in absolute truth, and, and we have to read it. And, and what's the problem then? Why are there so many denominations? Right? Why are there so many different ways that we see? Like, why can't we have unity in the denominations? Because we interpret the Bible differently. Like, if you go to one church, they interpret the Bible a little bit differently than maybe another church. And there are things out there that are different. And that's why. Why do, why do so many Christians fight about what the Bible, what, what, what God, what absolute truth God is on? Well, we fight about it because we interpret a Bible differently. We see it differently. Maybe it's by the people that have been teaching you. It could be because you studied it and you saw something. Maybe you had an experience that led you to think it, see it in a different light and a different way, right? But the thing is, we're human. So we don't interpret the Bible perfectly. God has an absolute truth. He's perfect, but we are imperfect. And so we mess up the interpretations. We mess up what God's trying to say. And we all struggle with this. Like nobody's exempt from struggling through trying to interpret the Bible, including pastors who study it in the Greek. Or the Hebrew, or whatever, or maybe, and you don't have to be a pastor to do that in America. Um, so, how do you have unity with people when you feel other people's theology is off? When you when you look around the church and somebody's arguing about something that you're like, I don't really care about that, <laughs> or I don't really think that's really important. And somebody else is like, No, this is really important. How do you have unity? And this is what I want. I, I want to read the Bible verse um, again. We're reading through Ephesians. And this is the Bible verse that God gave for this answer. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. It says, I am a prisoner because of the Lord, so I'm asking you to live a life worthy of what God chose for you. Remember what Jesus said? I want you to be in unity. That's how you be worthy. I want you to be perfect. Now, remember, these are striving. These are struggling. But if you want to be worthy of Jesus, you've got to have what? Unity in the church. Unity in the church. Don't be proud at all. Be completely gentle. These are going to sting a little bit, guys. Be patient. Put up with one another in love. The Holy Spirit makes you one in every way, so try your best. You can struggle. Try your best means you can struggle. I love that about Jesus. I would be out the ch- I wouldn't even be in the church if there wasn't something about being able to struggle. Cuz I struggle and I guarantee you do too. Because we're, we're sinful, we make mistakes. To remain as one, so you can struggle to remain as one. Let peace keep you together. There is one body and one spirit. You were appointed one hope when you were chosen. There is one God and Father of all. He is over everything. The entire universe is His. He's over it all. He's through everything, and He is in everything. The number one way to have unity is to not have pride. <laughs> To not have pride, to have patience and gentleness. The fruits of the Spirit are the most difficult for some people. I mean, some of you guys maybe are good at it, and it's a struggle. There is one truth, okay? There is one real way that God thinks in theology. There is one way to interpret the Bible. There is only one way. God is not confusing. There is one way. But we are imperfect humans. And so because we're imperfect, what do you have to do? You have to have patience for each other. You have to put up with one another. You have to be gentle. That's how unity exists in a church. And we need that. We need to be patient when people are off. When people are off, we need to be patient. And I can already sense some people being like, wait a second, we shouldn't be patient. We, if we have the truth, we, you know, Jesus said the truth. He spoke the truth. But here's what I want to say. In the Bible, there are things that are black and white that there's really no room to compromise on. I would say... Some of the ones that I thought about, just a couple, would be uh, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You can't earn your right into heaven. Only God can pay for it for you to go to heaven. That's a black and white thing that you can't be gray on, right? Um, You know, you can't be gray over. uh, I'm trying to think of another one that I had in here. You can't earn your salvation. Okay, That's black and white. There's only salvation through Jesus. Very black and white. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's black and white. But a gray one, and and some of you guys are going to say this, and I already feel like some people are going to be like, oh, no, 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 that's that's not gray. But I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Um, A gray one would be like some people believe, and I believe this, that the earth was created by God in six 24-hour period days. So you know, you had one day God spoke the earth into, you know, to being and he created it in six days. And on the seventh day he rested. And that's 24 hour periods. Some people don't believe that. Some people believe that maybe those days are metaphor for for thousands or millions of years because they look at, well, the, the earth is millions of years old. And so how could the Bible really be in 24 hour periods? And so there's this there's this thing. But I, if somebody tells me they believe that, I don't care. I want to be patient with them. I want to say, you know what, if you believe that, we can. St- I'm still going to say what I think. I think it was six 24-hour days. That's what I think. And I'm going to share that. But I'm going to be gracious if they go, I don't think that way. Okay, it's fine. That's, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's, that's the opposite of pride, right? I could be wrong. I don't know. There are gray areas in the Bible that we need to make sure we keep gray. And then there are black or white things that we have to say, no, this is really important. I'm not going to steer away from this. And, I mean, my thought always was, to that question of the million years, Would I mean, this is kind of a side note, but that God could have created the earth fully grown, <laughs> like already mature. He created Adam and Eve fully grown, right? So I don't know if that's, that's not anything about this. But, so obviously I have a strong opinion about it, but I can be patient and understand that maybe somebody doesn't believe the way I do and they have a different idea, and I don't, that's fine. There are gray areas in the Bible that you can't pin down. Um, And honestly, the way that you should be doing it is you should be studying Scripture with each other. Uh, One of the ways to have unity is to study the Bible together. Do you study the Bible with anybody? Not just by yourself. Do you study the Bible with other people in the church? Because the truth is, if somebody says they don't agree with something that I see in the Bible, I can go to them and say, this is what I think. And then they say, well, this is what I think. And I say, let's read the Bible together and see what the Bible says. And they may still at the end go, I don't think I, I don't, I don't agree with you. And you know what I'm going to say? That's okay. I respect you. That's called not having pride is being respectful of somebody that says, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with what you're saying. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. I, did, I didn't do this to try to prove a point, to shove something in your face. I, I did this because I love you, and I want to have more unity, and I want to grow with you, and I want to know you, and I want to know what your passions are, and I want to know why, why do you believe that, and why is it so passionate to you, and I want to understand you, and yes, I know that I'm still going to err on the side of what I believe is true, but I can be understanding and respectful. I can do it without pride, without this aggressive nature of I got to get this into you, No, I don't think that's what God wants us to do. Um, And even if you're older, you know, and I say you should be, you should study Scripture with people. And I got a question to that: Are you doing that? Are you sitting down and studying Scripture with somebody regularly? And a lot of times, when we get older, we're like, well, I don't want to do it anymore because I know a lot, and I'm done. And I even had times where I'd studied the Bible so much that I was like, when I first started going to Sunday school class in in Burlington, First Assembly, I remember being like, I don't want to be here because I know answers. I have answers to things. But I found out that that's not true. I was being stubborn and prideful. (laughs) I don't have all the answers. But even when you think that you do, you don't. And honestly, even if you did, that means the people around you need those answers. You need to share it. You need to study with people so they can learn. And if you don't have the answers, you definitely need to go. And I know that they're going to have like small groups or different places. The church in this kind of teaching can be good for you too. But study the Bible with people. Study the Bible with people. Are you doing that? Um, (laughs) So. Another unity that I've had found to be in the church, a a really big struggle is how do we do church? Um, I want red carpet. I want green carpet. I want pews. Well, I want chairs. I want a bus ministry. I don't want a bus ministry. (laughs) I want to spend our money on giving to the homeless. I don't want to do that. I want to give my money to the overseas to the poor. Um, I'd like to give all that money to that. Uh, I want country music on the worship team. I want rock. I want screamo. I don't know if you can do that, but. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, probably not. Maybe someday. Someday when we get older, we're like, what are they doing? why are they screaming? I want the kids in the church, I want the kids in the church with us. I want the kids in the church at the other side of the church, and maybe that sounds bad, but maybe it's, I want some, I want to hire somebody to go help them learn the where they're at. You know, it may not be a negative thing, but I want to have a time where people greet each other in the middle of service. Isn't it important? Well, I think it's, and then somebody else, like, well, I don't think we should. I don't, I don't want to hug somebody in the middle of service. I want to sit and listen to God's message and get out of here, right? this is a bad one, COVID, we should wear masks, we don't wear masks, you know that people actually left churches over that, people leave churches over some of the things I've said, some of you guys have really negative experiences when I say some of those things, because you're like, I remember a time when they changed the carpet, I remember when they took the pews out, I remember when they changed the worship style, I remember when they decided to hire a pastor, a kid's pastor, I remember these things, and it was a struggle, right, Maybe there wasn't all unity. Maybe you heard things that people were getting frustrated, and some people left the church over it. And I don't know if you know this, but the Bible leaves this, uh, how do we do this? What's the answer? How do we do this? And the Bible leaves it pretty open about how to do church. I love that. I love that God does that. He could have just been like, I want you to do church this, this, and this way, and it would look the same way throughout all generations. And God's like, nope. You figure out how to reach your culture the best way, and boom, go do it. That's what God does. He's open to us being creative and working together and having unity and making decisions to how can we reach out to people the best way. Um, (laughs) And so how are we going to have unity in the church when we're, we're doing this? And it's Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a little bit of the beginning of it. It says, um, don't be proud at all. Be completely gentle. Be patient. Put up with one another in love. The Holy Spirit makes you one in every way. For starters, the Holy Spirit makes you one in every way. So if you're going to know how to do church, you got to be listening to the Holy Spirit. The thing about Christianity is it is a religion, right, where we actually have the Holy Spirit living inside of our hearts that's speaking to us. That's dangerous. And God decided that he wasn't just going to use the pastor. He was like, I'm going to put a Holy Spirit in every single person that wants to be a believer. And then they're going to work together to figure it out. They don't have to go directly to the pastor. The the pastor is going to be directing things, right? But we're going to be giving ideas and talking and thinking through and working together with the Holy Spirit to lead the church, to work together. And so he says, don't be proud. If this is going to work, if it's really going to work, that all of us are going to work together to make the church a better place, It's not going to work if you have pride. It's not going to work if you're not gentle. It's not going to work if you don't have patience. You're going to give up. You're going to walk out. You're going to say, I'm done. Forget this. And I struggle to be patient. So I understand. It's a struggle. But you have to have patience for each other. You can't just walk away when you don't get your way. (laughs) And I get annoyed, too. I mean, literally, this week, I was annoyed about something in this church, in our church. I don't know if I should say this, but it's true. And I remember being annoyed about something. Yeah, you're not supposed to say things like that, right? But I'm just being honest. There was something I was annoyed about, and I told my wife about it. And she said, and I said, well, if, they, if this is the way it's going to be, I'm just not going to do this. And I mean, I wasn't saying I was going to quit, but I'm just like, I'm not going to do this. And uh, my wife was like, you sound like the kid that just lost, is losing the game and is just going just to quit because you didn't get your way. <laughs> So I had to pray for, like, the next three days, and God had to convince me, like, no, you, you're preaching this. You need to be patient. You need to be okay with things that you don't agree with sometimes. And, and it makes me think about this, too. Sometimes it's like, have you ever played Monopoly with your brothers? I don't know if anybody, somebody has a story like this. Where one of your brothers and sisters got so mad that it, they were losing. Instead of just saying, I quit, they go, well, I then, don't, I don't not only quit, you quit, too. <laughs> it's that bad. And now I say that as a joke, but the truth is, when we're in church, if you leave a church and all you're doing is talking bad about it everywhere you go and doing all kinds of horrible, like saying bad things about everything and really doing a lot of drama, you're like the kid that said, "I quit," and I want to ruin what you guys have too. And that's not a that's not a good idea. If you're, you know, I am going to say there is a time to leave a church, but. You got to do it the right way if you're leaving a church. And again, things that you're not supposed to say when you're preaching, right? But I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) So I want to say that if if you're considering leaving a church, there is time to leave a church. But when is that time? First thing is you ask the Holy Spirit, am I supposed to leave this church, God? And God will tell you. And if God says yes or God says no, you follow that because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And number two, if you're going to leave a church, maybe it's because you can't submit to the leadership. That happens. Where you're like, I just, I can't submit to what you're telling me to do. And and hopefully it's something about integrity, not about a style or something. But it can be style. But here's the thing I want to tell you. Talk to the pastor. Talk to the leadership. Tell them why you're leaving. Because even if you're not going to stay no matter what, they need to know that. And sometimes what happens is churches we just go, I'm leaving, goodbye, have a nice day. That what that's not the way to do it. I don't believe that God would ask us to do that way. If At the very least, we would write a letter and we'd say, hey, this is why I'm leaving. You could help them. You could help them change. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I hope nobody's thinking about leaving, but just if you are, if you're in that position, maybe you're, hopefully you're not thinking about leaving this church, but maybe you came here today and you're thinking about leaving the church. Think about those two things. If we're going to have unity in the church, we're going to have to build our muscles of patience and gentleness you have to work out your muscles of patience and gentleness and that is terrible i mean i'm sorry for it's terrible for people that struggle with patience it's good it's good i love how paul says to put up with one another in love put up with Put up with one another in love. That old, I, Paul, thank you for writing that. Thank you if you're in heaven and you can hear me. Thank you for writing that you put up with. Because there are so many times in the church that you feel that way, right? I got to put up with, not necessarily the person, but I got to put up with the decision they made. I got to put up with this situation. Patience. That's why it says put up with. Patience. Gentleness. Speak your mind. Share things. I mean, actually, I would say it this way. Pray about it first. <laughs> Sometimes we don't have good ideas. We say an idea, and it's not good, we need to pray about it first, and then we still feel like God's saying, I want you to tell the leadership this. Then you go forward, and you say, hey, this is what I think, and if it causes a, confrontation is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It gets you moving forward. (laughs) There are things not to put up with. I don't want to come off with this idea that that every time, unity is important to God, obviously, we have established that, but it says that it, there were Pharisees, that one of the things we shouldn't put up with is Pharisees in the church, Pharisees, and this is what I'll say, when people are so puffed up with pride, we don't put up with that, and, and this is what I'm going to say, literally, in Matthew 23, I don't have the verses up there, but you can study them yourself, Jesus yells at the Pharisees, he calls them brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, he calls them names, He's so frustrated. And the Pharisees, they wanted to kill and destroy Jesus' ministry. And so I will say this. If you go to this church and you want to destroy the pastors or the leadership of the church you're in, just leave. Go somewhere else. Because that's what Jesus would say. He's not into this Pharisaical attitude of I don't care about unity. I'm going to destroy stuff. Jesus would tell you, go, goodbye. Get out of my church. And you're like, well, that's really harsh. No, that's what he said to the Pharisees. He yelled at them. He yelled at him. And there's another time where the disciples, because this is what I think some of you guys are probably saying in your mind, eh, I don't know if Jesus would do that. The disciples said that to Jesus. After he made. It, he was doing something, and, and the disciples, it, uh, um, it, it should be in your notes, but another place where Jesus was, they were like, you know you offended the Pharisees? And you know what Jesus said in, in a nutshell? I don't care. That's what he said. He said, they're going to go do their own thing, and I don't care. I've got a mission, I've got a plan, and I'm going in this direction, and if they don't want to be a part of it, I'm done. So we think that Jesus wouldn't say something like that because the disciples felt that way too. But Jesus is like, no. So if you're trying to kill the leadership here, not that anybody is, but if you were, leave. (laughs) That was terrible. I don't think anybody's doing that, so. But I just want you to know that is true. Um, Unity, what I'm trying to say more than anything is unity is not always possible. It's not always possible. There are times where unity is not possible and you have to leave a church. There are times when you have to confront a pharisaical attitude in the church. There are times where unity just isn't possible. And I don't think Jesus is up there going, why don't you do? Jesus knows. Jesus is smart enough about his church that he knows there are times where some people just aren't going to come around. It's not going to work. And unity is not a possibility for that person. Sometimes it's a straightforward, get behind me Satan words that need to be used. <laughs> Okay, sometimes it is that. Um, But the main thing is when people in this church, there are people and I I know this because I've met a lot of you guys. You're trying your hardest to follow Jesus and you love God and you're trying not to be prideful and you're trying to be patient and you're trying to be gentle. And I can guarantee that God is not saying leave. God is saying, listen, have some patience, operate in this. Take some time. I can think of things that I don't like about the church that I wish were different already. And I've only been here for a little bit of time, right? But it's okay. Like, I can have patience. But there's there's the pride isn't there, right? Where I can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have – I mean, it's there. But maybe if God speaks to me after a couple days, I can go, okay, you know what? I need to let this go, right? And that's how we should be. We should be responding to what the Holy Spirit's telling us. And I think there's a lot of people in this church that are that way. So we've established that uh, the church should be um, unified and uh, otherwise the world won't believe, the people won't come. This is a huge deal. This is not like a simple message of like, no big deal, let's just move on. Good message, Sean. No, this is like hinges on whether we see more people come to our church so we have unity. And so are you studying scriptures with others? How can you make a plan to start? If you're writing anything down or you're thinking what God might be speaking to you, is there something right now that you can't stand about something that somebody's doing in the church and you have to operate in patience? I've got some things. So maybe God's already revealing to you like he's trying to tell you, you need to have patience in this area. And I want to go a little bit deeper this morning with God's word because maybe you're deciding to make this church your home. Maybe you're wondering what church, you're still thinking what would church look like. And I want to read through some verses um, to give you some points of what the church is. And so we're going to read through Ephesians 2 if you have your Bible or you have your phone and you want to get it out. I think these are some of the things that God wanted to tell you today. And the first one is, uh, so Ephesians 2.19, so you are no longer, you are no longer outsiders and strangers. You are citizens together with God's people. You are also members of God's family. And the first point is the church is a family, not an organization. People can have this love affair with organized religion. It's because relationships are messy and hard, right? They're messy and hard. It's easier to come to church with a mindset that this is an organization because it's safer. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to build a relationship with somebody. I can put up my walls. But is it really safer? I mean, think, of, think again. What's more safe, your work or your family? Family is a place where you always belong. It's where you have deep relationships that don't break easily. And I mean, you can have that at work too, but I mean, family is really, really deep. How much time would it take for the work, your work to get over you coming in? You can give a a two-week notice, a month notice, maybe a two-month notice if you're really nice. Can they replace you? Yeah. You're replaceable. In a family, you're not replaceable. If you leave here, we are crushed. So the question is, if you look around this room, are these people that you could never see again in two months and you'd be okay? Then you see the church as an organization. But if you look around the room and you see people that if they left your life, you would be crushed, then it's a family. There's a difference. And I know that's, that can be convicting, but think about that. Maybe you need to change your mindset that this is a family and not an organization. Ephesians 2.20, we're going to move on a little bit farther. You are a building. You are a building that is built on the apostles and prophets. They are the foundation. Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in the building. So the second point is the church is not the building. You are the church. People have this mindset that this is like God's house. It's not. It's not. You are God's house. Together. Together you're God's house. You see all those movies where, like, they have this moment where this person's thinking about doing something bad or good and doesn't know what to do. And so what do they do? They go to, like, the Catholic church, and they sit in the pews or a church, and then they look at this thing where Jesus is a statue of Jesus dying on the cross. And they're praying, and the priest comes up, and then they have this moment with God. I hate those moments. I hate that part of the movie. Because I want to be like, it's this idea in our culture that somehow God is here, but he's not anywhere else. He is everywhere you go. If you are the church— literally says right here, you are a building that is being built on the apostles and prophets. You are a building. This is not God's house. You are. It's crazy to think that God lives in you. I get that because I'm unholy. I make mistakes all the time. I'm imperfect. So it's more comfortable to think that God is here. So then I can do stupid things out there and come back and go, well, God understands because I do nicer things in here. That's not the way it works. God died on the cross so that He could live here in all the mess and all the disgusting things that go through my mind and my heart and the selfishness and all the things I do. That's why Jesus had to die on a cross, so he could live in this place and clean it up. And when we have this mindset that this is God's house, we miss that. We miss that. This isn't God's house. You are God's house. Um, Ephesians 2, 21 through 22. uh, The whole building is held together by him. It rises to become a holy temple because it belongs to the Lord and because you belong to him you too are being built together you'll hear a lot of the words belong and together i hope you feel like you belong here i hope you feel like you're together Th- those are big words but that's a side note sorry you are two are being built together you're being made into the house into a house where god lives through his spirit number 3 the church is people together striving for strong relationships i don't need to be here to be a part of it that's not true uh, if you go, if, if you're going to be on a, a football team when you're growing up, could you go to the coach and say, hey, I'm only going to make a few of the practices and I'm only going to come to like three of the games? What's the coach going to say? Get off my team. <laughs> you can't not come to church regularly and think that, that that's that God's OK with that. He's not. And, and here's what I want to say to that, because I know it's kind of like we're, we're a building being built, being built. It's happening. It hasn't happened, okay? We're missing people. We're missing things. But the point of the matter is we're being built. If, if I order a bunch of two-by-fours from Menards and only half of them show up, I can't build my house. Well, it's the same way in church. If you don't show up, we're missing a two-by-four that can support something. We're missing a tools that we need to make the house work. We're missing stuff. You have to show up. You have to be together. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're sick, stay home. Need a vacation? <laughs> Go on vacation. If you're homebound, watch online. I mean, if you have a, some kind of sickness that you can't be here, I get that. Um, if you a, have a job in healthcare and you work every other week, I understand. I mean, so many people come, and and I think God knows what what our reasonings are, our excuses for not coming. He knows I don't need to know he knows but I want you to know that you have to come regularly for church to work and you have to go after relationships you can't come in you're gonna have it's gonna be awkward right you're gonna have to go up to somebody and say hi you're gonna have to say I don't know you and it's gonna be awkward and weird and it's gonna take time to build those relationships you're being built it isn't built. And you can't just come in and then leave. And you got to have to put effort in it. I know we're doing small groups in a couple of more months. Join a small group. That's designed for you to, to ease that awkwardness so you get to know people. So you study scripture together. It's a process, though. So don't get mad if you go up to somebody and they don't like you or, or it's a struggle because it's a process. Maybe you go to another person. Try again. Keep trying. It, it keep going. Um, Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. I, Paul, am a prisoner because of Christ Jesus. I'm in prison because of the work. I'm uh, of my work among the Gentiles. I don't know if you guys know the Gentiles and Jews didn't get along in the in the early uh, church. In fact, before the church started, they were like enemies. They hated each other. Like definitely did not like each other. A Gentile was anything that wasn't a, a person that wasn't a Jew. I am sure you've heard that, the, that God appointed me to share his grace with you. I'm talking about the mystery God showed me. By reading about this mystery, you will be able to understand what I know. You will know about the mystery of Christ. The mystery was made was not made known to people of other times, but now the Holy Spirit has made this known to God's holy apostles and prophets. Here is the mystery. You guys want to know a mystery? Because of the good news, God promises are for the Gentiles, that's probably all of us, as well as for the Jews. Both groups are part of one body. They share in the promise. It belongs to them because they belong to Christ Jesus. And the fourth point is the church brings people who are different together. Gentiles and Jews were different. They were not the same. They didn't do things the same way. They had different ways of doing things. And that was okay. And here's what I want to say. People in church do things differently. You like to dress up to come to church? Dress up. You don't like to dress up? Wear jogging pants. And some people get mad about this. These are things that that are disunity things in churches sometimes. Um, If... (laughs) You can have older people you can hang out with younger people younger people you can hang out with older people that you don't have there's no barrier there you don't have to like the same things you don't have to have the exact same things that you like to get along is what I'm saying you can have a different color of skin you don't have to have the same color of skin to come into a church white black any type of skin, it doesn't matter. You could come from another nation, and it shouldn't matter. That's the whole idea of this Jews and Gentiles. God brought everybody together. We want people that are different. We don't want people to all look the same. I don't want to be a part of a church that all looks the same. I want people different. I want the older people. I want the younger people. I want the people that have different skin. I want people from different nations. I want—I mean, that's what God wants. That's why I want it. And I think it's because differences is cool. It's not a bad thing. It's not something that's annoying or, or a problem. So, so it's a church brings people who are different together. And so Ephesians three ten through eleven, he wanted the rulers and authorities in the heavenly world to come to know his great wisdom. And I, I have I have six points. This this last one is the mo- the sixth one is the most important. But um, he wanted the rules, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly world to come to know his great wisdom. The church would make it known to them. That was God's plan from the beginning. He fulfilled his plan through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number five, the church is God's plan to reach the world now. (laughs) This church is God's plan to reach Fort Madison or West Burlington or Burlington or this area. That's God's plan. You are God's plan to reach this community. Even if people don't come, this is a lighthouse. We could have all these chairs filled if everybody in Fort Madison just said, you know what, I just want to go see what they're doing at that church. (coughs) Fire codes ruined, (laughs) like, right? Right. Everybody would come. it would be it would be totally full. But even if they don't come, and much as we really want them to, because we we believe we have the hope of the world to give to them, this is still a lighthouse, and this is still God's plan to reach the world. He's saying the church would make it known to them. The church is you. The church would make it known to them. And I feel like many times I've wondered, and no offense to you guys, and even because I'm a part of it too, God, you got the wrong plan, man. <laughs> like, you, you you need to pick somebody else. Like, you need to, this is a bad idea. We have disunity. We have struggles. We, we have pride. We have We have imperfections, right? You got to pick somebody else. And God's like, every time you would say that to me, like, no, this is who I'm choosing. This is who is going to make known what Jesus did on the cross. These people, and I'm included in that. And I mean, I know that it's, you can have, but you also can be blown away by that. You were God's choice. You were God's choice. He chose you. He chose us. (laughs) And so I want to take this last point as the most important point that I'll make. Um, God's chosen us today to share the gospel and the good news. And I get the privilege. share that with you if you haven't um i get the privilege to stand up here for all of you guys and share if you're part of the church and if you're not i get the privilege to tell you about god and i and uh this is my sixth point it is this is what ephesians three twelve says through him and through faith in him we can approach god we can come to him freely and we can come without fear The sixth point is the good news is God cares about you with a dying love. If there was one message message I could say that's in the Bible, it is uh, God is real and God cares about you. The Bible is a story about God who gave up everything from heaven. He gave it all up because he saw that we had a problem. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a sin problem in our hearts. If you spend any time alone with yourself, you know there is sin there and there's a struggle to be good and it's a struggle to do the right things and you just can't do it. You just feel like you can't live up to it. And this is what God said. There was a problem. There was a sin problem that there's no way that you could make peace with God. That's why you struggle. And this is what God said. He said, that's, that's not going to work. I will come down to the earth in the form of a man and it, it, this is God's son being sent to the earth. But let me tell you something. Jesus was God. He volunteered. He was a full grown. He would have been full. Like he's God going, I want to go down there and I want to save them from their problem of sin. I want to do it. And, and, and I'm not just going to go. Like he came in the form of a baby. He couldn't even. Somebody had to change his diapers. Somebody had to change the diapers on God. That's ridiculous. That's mind-blowing, He and he had to grow into as a human and live a perfect life, and he had to deal with people and have patience and gentleness, and his ministry was hard, and he went around healing people, and putting everything he had and all of his passion in his life was towards his disciples and towards people that weren't his disciples and the enemies of his life, and he died, he came to a place finally at the end of his life where he gave his life, and that was the reason he came for the whole of it. He came because he was going to die on a cross. Because when he died on that cross, he was paying for all of our sins. He was paying for all of our sins. All of it. And, and we now can have peace through Jesus and through faith in Jesus. We can approach God. Nobody should be able to approach God. He's crazy huge. He's crazy powerful. It even says in some places that if you were around God, you would burn up. Because he's that beautiful. He's that amazing. You just burn up. But we can approach him. That's how important what Jesus did on the cross. He took all of our sin and it disappeared. And the only thing we have to do is have faith. The chosen ones in here, if you're not a part of the church, the ones that are chosen, the only thing we did was have faith. We're no better than anybody else. We just realized there's a need here. And I'm struggling as a sinner, and I need someone to save me. And we reached out, and all we said was, God, I want to trust in you. I want to trust in what you've done on the cross. And you know what Jesus said? He said said yes to us. He chose us. And I just want to give you an opportunity today. If you've never accepted Jesus, you're, you're not a Christian. You've come to church today, or you're not sure... I want to take some time to pray for you, to give you an opportunity. Because here's the truth: all it takes is faith. It's simple, it's easy. The Bible says if you confess with your with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved from what? Your sins. The sins that you have. And so uh, I want us just to, to close our eyes and bow our heads and let's pray together. If if you want to give, I'm not gonna have you come up front. I'm not going to have you do anything crazy, um, but I want you to raise your hand. We're going to do a thing where if you feel like you want to give your life to Jesus, you're at a place where you're like, you know what? I want that. I want God is tugging at my heart right now, and he's saying that he wants me, and I want him too. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I want to have this faith. I want to have the Holy Spirit inside of my heart. And I just want you, in the, in the count of three, just to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm just asking you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to put your faith in Jesus. Praise God. God I, I'm blown away and I think most of us in this room there's a large amount of us that are blown away that you chose us and that you love us this is you're not motivated by wanting more praise or, or some kind of you're not some kind of egotistical God up there saying man I just I need more people to say I'm awesome but you, everything you do is motivated by love you are a giver And you are gracious. And I pray that today people will put their faith in you. And for us that have, I pray that we'll take seriously the church and the unity that you want us to have. That we'll have patience. And God, I pray in this moment right now that we're taking, I pray that you open our hearts to what you want to say. Christianity is a religion about hearing you and having a relationship with you. And I pray even right now, God, maybe there's somebody we need to be patient with. Maybe there's something we need to be patient with. Maybe we need to be a part of a Bible study. Maybe there's something, maybe there's people out there that say, I just don't know if I belong to God. God, I pray with all my heart that you would speak so loudly and say, you belong to me. You belong to me. I've chosen you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always there. God, I pray you'd speak these things, whatever you want to say. We pray for that. Pray for you to speak, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want to say if if.